Welcome to another episode of the Unskewed Weekly Review, a show where we provide you an immersive discussion of under-the-radar news topics and as close to an unbiased review as possible. I'm your co-host, Goose, and joining me in the discussion is my longtime friend, Smitty. We'd like to extend a multitude of thanks to everyone for continuing on this journey with us. As we move forward, we appreciate any feedback you may have. If you're going to be spending time with us, we want to make sure that your time is enjoyed and that our conversations are meaningful to you. As we did in the previous episode, we're trying to center our work on having organic conversations in which disagreement is encouraged and where it's okay to take time to think about things before using our words. We're bringing you some interesting news topics tonight that you might not have known existed, and we hope that you learned something new today. With that said, Smitty, how'd your week go? Um, it went pretty well. I worked a lot. I I had a fantastic weekend. It was a short weekend. I worked Saturday, so I got off at one. But I jammed a lot. Like I jammed so much into that like thirty six hours of of weekend. So it's been it was good. It was good. I got to celebrate my uh, my grandma's birthday. Ema Smitty, uh, how old is yeah, she now? I think she's like late 80s i'm not 100 percent sure you don't even know how old your grandma is what the heck is this dude i know i know i need to get that i'm like pretty sure i know what it is but um yeah and then i messed uh, up hung out with some friends and then i did like a cycle class this morning with a friend then went uh golfing with my dad today and then now we're podcasting so where'd you where'd you do that cycle class at uh i was over in lake oswego so that's pretty Pretty, yeah, it was, it was a good, it was fun. It was nice to do something different from like, you know, lifting weights. So I wish, I wish they had a cycle class at, at our, at the gym we go to. I think I they think, do. I don't, I just don't I, think they have I, it at good find times. It on, I couldn't find it on the schedule. Oh, maybe they got rid of them. Cause like, I and know. Yeah. I was gonna say, I noticed cause I, when, when I go there in the morning with you guys, I, I just kind of get warmed up and loose on the bike. Cause it's, you know, it's kind of well, nice like, listening to some Euro jams and, yeah, and and pedal it out for for ten minutes or so, but they don't really like maintain the bikes in there very well. Like they're all kind of squeaky and yeah, and there's no uh, straps where you put your feet in on some of them. I'm like that tells me I don't think that they're doing a doing a class there. But it gets the job done. But um, yeah, yeah, That's no, cool. that, I'd, I'd like yeah. to do that. I like when I at my old gym I used to do. I used to do a spin class at like 5:45 before work, and that was that was pretty solid. Nice. I know everybody yeah. kind of makes I, like people have given me crap for like, dude, doing a spin class. I'm like, dude, like my Achilles tendon is kind of killing me right now. Like, I could I could use that, you know. Like it's it's fun. I enjoy it. No, it's it's different, and uh, I think they I don't know they've had some changes since COVID at our gym. Like before COVID, it, there was definitely some different. I think there's some different people owning it, and mm. now they've like it's just it's a lot different than it was um, when I was last going here four years ago. So, yeah, hey, we'll it's see. got it's got weights, it's got yep. squat racks. I will say yep. that the when I because I, I was going to the the other gym that that I was at before COVID started. Like it was a big gym, but it like there was only like three squat racks wow and it was always like a struggle to get into a squat rack and there'd always be a line of people or just when somebody was finishing up you're like okay i'm gonna go snag it and then it's like nope jim bro over here's got it and whatnot and yeah it kind of sucked but yeah i'm uh i'm glad i've been going back 
Yeah, it's good to see you there every morning. Almost every no, morning. Not not every morning, but almost. But uh yeah, it's fun. It's fun getting getting in there again. Um well, are we ready to get into it? Yeah, let's rock and roll. All right. Well, uh I I saw this article that I'll talk about in a, in a few minutes, but I was like, man, I know somebody who's who's participated in this before. So, uh Tell me, tell me about your experiences investing in cryptocurrency. Like you haven't really been talking about it much recently, so I was, yeah, I, was, I, I definitely wanted to catch up with you on that. Um, so it was definitely. So I first learned about crypto back in like years ago. I think it was back in like 20, 2013, 2012, like somewhere and in you're there. An OG crypto, bro. Yeah, well, no, I was just, I like, I heard about it and then, like, you know, I, I did some research and, you know, it's like anything else. There's a bunch of people who are like, oh, crypto is like the next best thing. And then there's other people being like, oh, crypto is like, it's worthless. It's not worth anything. And um, a friend of mine at the time, he was like, I'm going to put some money into crypto because I think it's, it's going to do something. And so he scrounged up, like, I want to say he bought like half a Bitcoin or something. Like at that time, it was like 15, that was $1,500. And, I thought he was kind of nuts. And then um, the pandemic happened and crypto just kind of like, I don't, I don't know exactly what happened. I should probably like look into this some more, but crypto just kind of like took off. Like people started yeah. making like Bitcoin went up to like uh, about $30,000. That's when I like started investing in it. Cause I was like, Oh wow, this is like, you know, going somewhere. And um, it was this kind of type of thing where it's like, you could put your money anywhere in crypto and you made money. And everyone thought, like, we all just thought it was like this giant circle jerk of like, oh, we're such a genius for investing in crypto. Like, oh, it just makes and it just made money. Like, that was the thing is like, it didn't, it never lost money. And I was like, there was a point where there was one. So I, I started off in like Bitcoin and then there's all these other coins. And so in my head, I was like, hey, I'll find one of these like coins that's about to go onto this like trading app that I use called Coinbase. And I'll just like put, I'll put money into that. Like every, like every paycheck I was putting money into it. And I was like, if I find one of these coins that like takes off, like if, if it's a penny a coin and it goes to a dollar, like I just a hundred X my investment. Like, that's just like the type of, again, it was just like, it was like crack. Like everyone was just like, everyone I know that was participating in it. It was like, you just, you put your money in something, you made money. Like, and anytime that happens, like, Again, this was it was this turned into much of a learning experience for me. And I'll say this, I haven't given up on crypto. Like I still own a lot of it. Um, like I, I didn't sell, I haven't really sold off anything because I think it in principle it's just a good I've already put money into it. It's low right now, um, compared to what it was. So I'm just gonna hold on to it because I don't like need I don't need the money. I haven't like over leveraged myself, but Anytime there's like a thing where people are just like, oh, you can't not make money, that should be an instant red flag. Like, that's what I learned from this is like, anytime there's a situation where it's like, it's like the 2008 mortgage crisis, right? Like, oh, you can't like just refinance your house. You won't lose money. It'll be worth way more money. And like that created just this like, creates this house of cards. There's eventually a point where, you know, people start shorting it and things like that. And they, they expect a market correction. And then they lose a bunch of money. So anyway, I started, kind of got out of Bitcoin, started playing with some other coins. And there's this one coin that I found that paid you like these dividends. 
So every day I would like wake up in the morning and you could like hit collect. And basically what it was is because because crypto was growing, like it was growing so fast and making money that this coin, what it was doing is it was dispersing the like profits made um, from this coin. And so I was making like $100 a day at one point from this. And it was like, I mean, that's insane. That was like $3,000 a month. That's unheard and, of. Yeah. And I didn't even have that much. I had like maybe, I think at the time. So I I probably put in a decent amount of money, but it was like, I was like, oh my gosh, in, in two months, I can double my money. Like, and that's just like, no, there's nothing. There are very few things in life that actually have that like type of money making potential, like very few things. Um, they're just passive investments. And I, again, everyone was like, kind of just like, oh, this is amazing. And then around February of 2022, crypto kind of took the first like hit. Um, I forget exactly what caused that. And then recently, yeah, recently there's the massive, when FTX went down, that was like the Mm -hmm. massive drop. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's really cool about crypto is I think that it's a great way to transfer money without having to, you know, someone else to be there. I mean, a lot of payment systems, I don't think people realize this, but they take out a large percentage of your money, like credit card transactions, like like 3% is a standard rate. Um, and then that's not even including, there could be a, another payment processor. And um, like, if you have to transfer large sums of money, there isn't really a good way to do that right now in our, a lot of our systems. So it's honestly, I think that crypto solves some problems. I don't think it's going to be this like, I don't think we're going to get to a point where, you know, oh, like there's a lot of issues with crypto too. Like for Bitcoin, for example, it's deflationary, which doesn't necessarily work well because anything that's a deflationary, like there's only going to be so many amount of Bitcoins. So the people that are into Bitcoin in the beginning they're just going to get wealthier and wealthier. And like, that isn't really a good system. There's some like flaws with that. Um, Cause it's like the people that were just happened to be there in the beginning, they're worth the most. Um, but I don't know. I'm still optimistic about it. I think it's a overall, I think it's a really cool opportunity. I like that. It's just this kind of like unregulated ish um, space, but I think it's like anything else. It needs more proof of value. Like we need like actual like reasons for using crypto rather than just like, I'm going to put my money in this, make a bunch of money, because it kind of turned into a Ponzi scheme. Yeah, um, it's kind of the feeling yeah. I get from it. It's yeah. like kind of shady. Yep, and after, like I said, I mean, it was a lot of fun. Like, I, I got up to, a, there was a lot of money I had at one point, and, like, that was just, it was really cool seeing that number. It was a false sense of security, obviously, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, I have a lot of hope for it. Um, I think it needs, I think this was good. I think what's happened recently to crypto is good because it's like time now to kind of have this like, you know, for people in the crypto, interest in cryptocurrency, it's like, what are we doing here? Like what, you know, and we need to address these issues with crypto, like fraud and rug pulls and all these, you know, different financial issues. And so, yeah, I think yeah, that kinda, uh, it kind of seems that it's like, you know, you have your stock market, you know, yeah, it's like okay, you can kind of see how well a business is doing or yeah. not. You know, It's regulated too. It's yeah. regulated. There, There's processes. And with crypto, it just kind of seems like, oh, here's a bunch of bros just throwing money around and yeah. seeing what happens with it. Yep. It's like 
throwing something at a wall and see if it seeing if it sticks you know absolutely like, yep so i mean i know you can do that in the stock market but you know there's things in there to that'll make it not stick or make it stick uh as as you will um would you ever say though that that you felt like you might have been like kind of you mentioned that it's kind of like crack do you think it yeah have you ever felt or wondered if you were like addicted to it i just like it was so cool so there's like i the one coin that you paid dividends that was probably the coolest coin because it just like it kept me coming back like i was making i I was like i was like sitting there and i was like okay i put this much money in i could easily double like the amount i put into this and i could make like two hundred dollars a day or four hundred dollars a day and like for doing nothing and i was like there's one point even i was like doing the math i was like how much money do i have to have invest in this for me to quit my job like that's literally and that's just like a very enticing thing for someone who was at the time 20 28 years old like how cool would that be like you put in a bunch of money in this thing and now you just have like a passive income that allows you to do whatever the hell you want to do but again should have remembered the logic like if it's too good to be true probably isn't and that's that's what ended up happening i think i had a uh yeah basically i lost 90 percent of my value in that coin Mm. yeah but you never did you ever feel like you were addicted to it at any point yeah i mean i definitely i don't know if i was addicted it was just like i enjoyed it i enjoyed it a lot and then when it ended it was kind of just like but i learned my lesson and i'm not like i'm not buying i'm not i kind of want to buy a little bit right now because i know it's down and i think like some of the more i think bitcoin will come back up i don't think it's going to go to zero i think it'll come back up but um not to give financial advice to anybody but uh yeah i don't know i i'm not i won't say i'm addicted but i could definitely see i could see how you could become addicted to it well i've got just that for you okay so I'm really liking using uh, Google News here. I, yeah, it's I had solid, to do right? A little bit of, I had to be, I had to do a little bit of digging, but yeah, um, you know, because because the main news topics of the day definitely take over a lot of it, yeah. regardless of where you go. But um, came across this article uh, from the uh, the British Broadcasting Corporation. Um, a person named Kelly Ng wrote this article. It's called. Uh, Luxury rehab centers now offer therapy for, quote, crypto addiction. And I I had so many, like, thoughts as I kept reading this article. But uh, it starts out kind of uh, highlighting this guy named Don. And and I I think he was from the UK. Um, I'm guessing he was probably from the UK because it was the BBC that was writing about this. Um, And... This guy, Don, at like 2021, and then they kind of brought up like February 2022, so that's kind of interesting uh, that you mentioned that. Don was putting $200,000 a week into crypto, and it didn't really say that he was necessarily making a lot off. Clearly, he had made some money somehow, but he's he was putting up to about 200 k a week into crypto trading, and he like it had a big impact on his life. Like he was sleeping poorly. Uh, he would like go to bed too late, probably not sleep at all. 
and then wake up super early to start trading. Um, and he would start getting panic attacks if he wasn't near his computer or like had no access to internet. Like he mentioned specifically, like if he had a long flight and there was no internet to use, he would start getting like hot flashes and sweating all over the place and just going nuts because he couldn't monitor his, his trades. And, um, he had the ability, the wherewithal to recognize in 2022 that he was, he was in a downward spiral and it, it talks about it later in the, in the article. But I mean, he was like not disclosing with his significant other, like how much he was dumping into it, which ultimately led to the end of their relationship. But he did some research and he found this place uh, in Mallorca in Spain called the Balance, the Balance Rehabilitation Center. And he went there for four weeks. Just looking at this, it's like, this is just like a private vacation. Like, he had a private villa that had a chef and a butler in it. And there was treatment there. Like, it is, apparently it is a legit treatment center. He had, like, therapy, yoga, massages, bike rides. 75K for four weeks. I'm like, wait, if he was losing all this money from just constantly being attached to crypto, where is he getting 75k from for this? But we can talk about that later. Uh if you had a point. Yeah, I mean, the thing that's crazy like 200k a week. Yeah, a week. Mhm. That's insane. Like there's a small number of people that have that kind of access to capital on this earth. I mean, a small small number of people. That's yeah. insane. So, I, like, what's crazy about that though? Seventy-five k for four weeks to for him is like probably no big deal. It or or is it? We don't know. Like, it didn't really disclose like how. Well yeah, because and so that was that was a big thing that I realized. Not to not to tangent here, but oh, like good. back to my my first point was the the coin that was that was paying me dividends. Um, I still think that like coin has what's crazy about this is like, I think that coin has potential. I don't know what it is exactly, but I think there's still potential there. Um, there were people, and this is what damaged us really bad is there's people that were taking out, basically they're taking out loans on the crypto they already had invested. And then they were buying more crypto with it. And like bad loans. Um, so that was that was so that was what kind of was a problem is like you could basically you had your like crypto stash right so like let's say I have ten thousand dollars in crypto I could go to this like other site and be like hey like I have this this is my collateral it's like the ten k in crypto so I'm gonna take out I'm gonna take out like a five thousand dollar loan on that ten thousand dollar loan and then invest that again and then. What then people are doing is then they take out a loan on the fifteen thousand dollars they and so it created this like the stacking effect where it's like all these things are like it's a house of cards, right? It's just built on top of each other. And that's super dangerous because the minute it goes south, it's all it's all collapses. Well, you're you're going you're going into the negative to try to go into a the positive on something else. So it's super point, risky. You gotta, You've got to come back to what you're in the negative in. Super and risky. If one yep. that you're putting all your eggs into falls apart, then you're 
without you're fucked for yeah you're fucked like and that's why one thing that i did term. and that's why i think i i wouldn't say i was addicted to crypto i think i was i was naive and it was the first time like i got into investing i felt like really like oh i'm so smart and i was like i was making money i was making money off of it um but i did i only spent with money that i had and i resisted the urge to take out loans on the crypto that i had because that would have been again that have been bad so but i'm but, saying not not everybody has the uh the fortitude that that you had in that situation no no which, for sure definitely it talks about that later yep. on but um i i could have looked a little more about this place um but the balance was is this this rehab company founded in zurich in switzerland and they have properties in london and majorca and they call themselves a, a safe space enabling health and fulfillment I'm like okay uh whatever uh but their primary focus is like treating anxiety burnout depression ptsd eating disorders like you're run-of-the-mill like mental health yeah issues problems but they started capitalizing on people who are getting addicted to crypto in the last couple of years uh so they're they're trying to get a hand in this which probably makes sense why the bill was seventy five thousand dollars um but so they're they're trying to capitalize on this and they're not the only one who does it uh the bbc was researching this trend and they're like oh there's like multiple businesses trying to capitalize on this and pretty much what they are is they're all just kind of like luxury vacation resorts like which makes sense i mean but what some of the people who are talking about like some of these like industry professionals like psychiatrists from stanford and like you know doctors and whatnot you know they're saying like hey this is like an addiction that's similar to anything else and i think the most noted tie was like gambling um yeah so this this uh, lady, her name's Anna Lemke, and she's a professor, a psychiatry professor at Stanford. Uh, and she's like, yeah, this definitely requires an intervention if someone's getting addicted. But she's skeptical about whether or not that, you know, crypto crypto trading needs such an intervention. Um, so she does say that it should be treated like any other addiction, namely like gambling and the way that that she would go about is like, all right, you're here. You need to not even like, you're not even allowed to look at anything crypto related for four weeks. And she kind of agreed with that. Um, But where she was kind of skeptical is like, well, what does the treatment actually focus on? Like, are they just doing the same thing for every, every other disorder that's out there? Or are they bringing in like a professional who, you know, has, a, a good knowledge of crypto and how it works and finance and all that stuff and psychology at the same time and kind of have treatment that includes teaching healthier options for financial investment and things like that. Um, but one of the big roadblocks that the people see with regard to this is that crypto addiction is not socially treated like other addictions like gambling because it seems legitimate. Like it's this institution that that's kind of come about. It's kind of like the stock market, you know, but it's the fact, like you mentioned earlier, crypto is unregulated. So the, the article kind of cites 
how, uh, you know, gambling seen as negative and it's regulated in a lot of countries. Um, and some countries they didn't say which ones it were the, which countries it was, but, um, there's like rules in place for casinos to a identify gambling addicts and like they can be ban them from participating so that they can't, you know, aid them in their, in their, their addiction. But there's nothing like that for crypto. You know, the stock market, like, there's a limit, like, not a limit, but, you know, if you don't have anything to offer, you can't really participate. Yeah, it's much, exactly, yep. So, um, this, uh, this addiction specialist in New York, his name's Aaron Sternlicht, and he kind of runs a private practice that, that is geared towards gambling and, and crypto addictions and you know he he does think from what i understand that you know maybe this should be a little more regulated because we're regulating gambling you know he's seeing a lot of similar problems like relying on it for excitement and um having a having meaning in life um there's a lot of lying theft debt um anxiety uh, people losing relationships and missing out on opportunities for an advancement and things like that like there's what he's saying is like people would rather sit in front of a computer and watch their 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 uh, trades go up and down than you know get out there and do something in the world you know um, and that kind of goes back to this guy Don where his girlfriend dumped him after she found out how much money he was losing um, and then there's another lady who uh, remained anonymous they called her Jane. She would go on three to four day crypto benders. And it actually got to the point where her boyfriend thought that she was having an affair, which I mean, you could say, yeah, she was having an affair with the crypto. But, um, you know, the, in the end, like the, the kind of the message from the, the psychiatrists and, and psychologists that they kind of brought in here is that, you know, they need to learn how to how to set boundaries and, and have like time and loss limits like instead of investing in or going into negative to to support another trade that you have like just be like all right well that one didn't work out so well so i got to move on so um that's kind of where the article went but it was really interesting i mean i know that there's you know stock addicts there's gambling addicts you know there there's Money can be, you know, lottery addicts. Money can be, like, a really addicting thing, especially when you're saying, like, yeah, it was on a roll. Like, yeah, things, things were going so, like, almost too good to be true. Like, there had to be a bubble to burst at some point. So, um, I don't know. I think the the big question I have, like, do you think, and you kind of brought this up, do you think that, that crypto should be more strongly regulated, especially if it's really similar to other addictions and things like that or, or problems? Like, you know, we see, you know, if you're an alcoholic, people intervene or hopefully intervene and try to get you treatment. You know, there's gambling treatment. There's any sort of problem relating to mental health there's there's options for you here but you know there's a lot of regulations behind it so do you think that it should be more regulated would that fix things or maybe help i mean 
so I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on a couple things you you made there. Uh, alcohol is not really well regulated, and and like I I think that like alcohol honestly is this is like this is off tangent from crypto, but it kind of goes with the addiction thing. Alcohol, I think, is the most devastating um, addictive substance we have available to us. And I'm even talking like illicit drugs, honestly. Mm. Um, That was one thing that really shocked me when I did my hospital rotation um, was, so I I went to the local hospital for 12 weeks and was it 12 weeks? Yeah, it was 12 weeks at the hospital rotation. And they wait where the wow yeah so three months yeah the number of people that were in the hospital for alcohol related issues blew my mind blew my mind i don't think i don't think americans realize just how many people suffer from alcoholism and how like awful that like what it does to your body Mm. um you know you have everything from drunk drivers right like oh i got drunk ran into, you know, a telephone pole. Then basically that's a that's a motor vehicle accident, obviously, but alcohol kind of caused that. Um but everything from that to, you know, when people people get to a point where they're drinking a fifth of alcohol a day. And they get to the point where your your brain chemistry actually starts changing. And you can't just go cold turkey off alcohol. If you do, it actually can kill you. And those people end up in the emergency room and they're in a coma for two weeks and they're in rough shape. I mean, drinking that much alcohol a day, just you you can't retain nutrients. It it damages, it actually damage, it causes cirrhosis. Like it damages your liver. And I think that's the thing that's like dangerous about alcohol is like, it's so available, but it's so like, it's so dangerous. And it's what's, it's weird to me is that this isn't talked about because unless you know someone that's like a severe alcoholic that personally you don't get to see the stages of a crippling alcohol addiction where they're going to the store after work every day to pick up a fifth and they're going to drink it that night and and somehow funk like i can't imagine that i mean i even kind of like when i go to like i mean i I would say i'm definitely an addict because i you know got got zen here but yeah yeah i could we're all addicted to something but yeah um I'd always, and, and, you know, I like to have some drinks on, on a Friday night, you know, yep. but it always strikes me as odd. Like if I go to the store, like I go to the gas station or something, pick up some Zen, but there's always somebody in there who's just buying like a six pack of tall boys. I'm yep. like, it's Wednesday night, dude. Like maybe it's your weekend. I don't know, but there's always somebody in there. Yeah. Getting booze. I'm like, damn dude. Like. Yeah, I mean, I don't even, is, like even on my worst days, like I could have a shitty day tomorrow at work and I probably will. We'll find out. But it's my job is way more stressful now than it was last year. But even on some of those days, I'm just like. I, I don't No amount of alcohol could make me feel any better about this. And if anything, I'm going to feel like shit tomorrow morning anyway. But it always amazes me like how how much people like actually drink and i'm amazed that i'm able to just keep it to the weekends and yeah that's that's nuts but you could say and i could play devil's advocate here 
you know, granted they're different problems, but you could say that, that the, the problems some of these people who are addicted to throwing money around have, I don't know if the, the problems are tantamount, but the, they're just as severe of consequences. I mean, yeah, with alcohol, you know, you're damaging your, your body systems, but, you know, people who are addicted to gambling, people who are, you know, addicted to the lottery, you know, things like that, you know, they're, they're destroying the world around them still too, just in different ways. And, you know, if you're gambling and here's where I kind of, I guess I would say I disagree with like the alcohol thing. Like nobody's going to give you a DUI for spending too much money gambling. Um, you know, if you are a multiple repeat DUI offender, you know, you get your driver's privileges revoked for a couple months to six months to, oh, now you got to take a breathalyzer every time you want to start your car. Um, you get your license revoked for life. Um, so there are some regulate, like the sale of alcohol and the, the availability of it. Yeah, you're totally right. Like totally I mean, it's regulated, but unregulated at the same time. But, like, the consequences, I think, are a little more tangible, I think. Um, but I, w- I would definitely say, like, yeah, okay, well, you're not going to get cirrhosis from being addicted to, to crypto. But you're putting a lot at risk, too. Like, that's what you're investing in. That's what you're, like, this this guy, Don, like, that's all he was doing. Or this other person who's, like doing this for three to four days in a row like the 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 social impacts the implications i think are pretty alarming too like if i were if i were addicted to something that was making me just completely gone from from our friendship or with with my relationship with my wife i would I would hope somebody helped me with that, you know, and clearly people weren't getting the help they needed because they're lying about it and they're, you know, they're losing sleep over things. And you know what happens when you don't sleep, you know, you start getting weird. So I don't know. I I don't know if like I, I I kept sitting here thinking like oh poor me I'm addicted to crypto I'm gonna go spend seventy five thousand dollars to go hang out in Mallorca and have a good time and hang out with my private butler and my private chef and whatnot like I think about like the common person who maybe is in a little bit over their head and they think that they're making it but you know they're just another dude working nine to five and decides to blow his money on this. Like, I kind of wonder if, you know, if this is going to be something that's happening on a higher scale. Definitely seems like services to help out with this. It's kind of like those uh, financial planning bros, you know, they, they like give you their tips to success, like with the stock market, like, yeah, they're probably kind of shady and whatnot, but we could use a few more people like that being like, hey, I made it. I get it. I started back when it, when, when crypto was first invented. But 
here's how I responsibly did things. Like, kind of seems like there needs to be more of a community centered around that. And if there is, I don't know about it. But I don't know. It definitely to me feels like the people that do the three to four day like crypto binges and the this guy. Like, have have you ever gambled before? Honestly, the only gambling that I've ever done was like if we got a poker tournament put together. Yeah. Or like every now and then I'm like, oh, I'll buy a scratch it. I'm feeling kind of lucky. Okay. Other than that, I've I've never gone to a casino. Okay. Um, never really never really interested me. Yeah. Like I like to I like I don't know. I, I don't like I mean, I've definitely thrown my money at things, but I like throwing my money at like tangible experiences. Like if somebody said, all right, you got $3,000, you can do whatever you want with it. Or if they just said, you get to go to the casino and see what you can do with it, or you can buy an airplane ticket. I'm probably going to buy the airplane ticket and go somewhere like and then spend my money on that. Like, go to a cool bar wherever I go. Uh, you know, go do cool shit. But, like, casinos... Never really been... I've never had the urge. Like, I, I, like I have some close friends from college. Like, they're going into the sports books. And they're just betting on dumb things. And just, like, things that I think are dumb. But, you know, no offense to them. Uh, but... Never really, never really felt the urge to do it. I I love gambling. Like I, <laughs> I, I that makes sense. I, I don't like, know why it does, but like it I freaking, I feel alive. I feel <laughs> it's just like it's like I, I know. I'm just, I honestly I check you into the balance over here. Yeah, no, I'm honestly. Uh, the thing is, though, is like I follow the rules. Like you set a limit. You set like like so. What I do like when I've gone to Vegas, I I pull out, I draw out cash from the bank, and that's like that's all my gambling money for the weekend. And if I spend that all in one night, it's all gone. That's it. Short, uh, you know, short time in the casino. If I don't touch it all, that's that's fine too. Um. But I never go like, you know, never go to the ATM to draw out more. It's like that's that's the limit. Like whatever that is. And uh the the one that I love though is like I love playing uh like poker with my friends. Like that is oh gosh, it's just such a like it's uh there's like some psychology behind it, there's math behind it, it's competitive, there's like you win my like there like there is no greater feeling. Well, there's there's a lot of great feelings, but it's a really cool feeling when you just like you won you like had to outsmart somebody. And it's like, a, it's like a very rewarding experience for me. Um, you can also back out too. You can always fold. You can, I mean, that's part of the game, right? Part of the, but um, I think for, but like, no, I, I love gambling and it's definitely, but like the thing is those, I completely, well, I don't consider myself addicted to gambling. I've never like, you know, lost any and that and that's why I think is the difference between someone who can be in control and have it be fun is there's a limit. 
Like, I'm not going to go bet, you know, oh, I'm not going to, like, cash out my 401k to go, like, gamble it away. Like, yeah. that's that's when it starts getting, I think, into addiction. That's is dumb. When, yeah, when things, when you start making, like, really dumb decisions and, like, or you're not winning, like, like that's when, when it starts to affect your life, that's when it's, that's when it becomes an issue. And, and I only gamble I can afford to lose, too. Like, I'm not going out and, like, Oh, like this is the next six months of pay. Like I'm gonna gamble this all. I like as fun as that would be. Like, oh my gosh. Like I'm just thinking about that right now. Like that would be such a rush. I wouldn't. Like I know that I would never do that because that's incredibly stupid. Um, and it's just not. It's not worth it. So, but I I understand though. I empathize with people who are gambling addicts because I imagine that's a really damaging, probably really stressful. Um. You know, the classic, uh, there's a Sopranos episode where a guy, like, he knows Tony, who's, like, the head guy in the Sopranos, mm-hmm. and he takes out a loan from Tony, and Tony's like, don't do this, like, you're my friend, I don't, like, he's not part, this guy's not part of the mob, he's like, I don't want you to do this, and he's like, oh, no, like, he puts on his business, and then, basically, the guy, he loses, and he loses a lot of money, and so, Tony basically makes him take out all these, like, credit cards on his business, and it like bankrupts the business, but like Tony gets his money paid back, obviously, because he's part of the mob. Um, but no, this the crypto addiction, like these two people, it definitely sounds like it's the gambling side. And that mm-hmm. that's the dopamine, that's the dopamine system in your brain. It's yeah, it's not these things that are like that are rewarding and feel good. If you look at a lot of the disorders, I mean like alcohol addiction, gambling addiction, sex addiction, all these things that feel good and enjoyable, that's why like that's why they're addicting. Like it's part of the dopamine system and like it doesn't take much for that to get out of whack. Um, so, but when it comes to regulating crypto, in my opinion, I think what we need is we need, um, I think there should be different levels of regulation. Like, I think there should be like, you know, if you, if you want to put your money into like a more riskier option, like, I think that's, that's your choice. You know, ultimately that's your freedom of choice. But maybe there should be some like more regulated coins. And and that's a big problem right now in the crypto space is there's no there's like there's like these like self-accountability things, and that's how people get like f- scammed. And I actually I got I got I got suckered into a rug pull actually. So um there's this one coin that looked like it was doing really well. And basically all they were doing it was like Ponzi scheme, right? They're just taking people money, redistributing the amount of people who are already in it. And basically on Friday I put in some money and then on Tuesday I like go to check it. The website was like taken down mm. and I was like, what the hell? And I like looked into it and basically the people that own the coin, they went. So what classic thing is they do is they'll hold like 50% of the coin and a wallet that's not like tied to the other coins that they release. And then me and everyone else in the public, we buy the coins in public and then those guys take that coin and they trade it for like Bitcoin or a more stable coin. And then what that does is it sinks the value of everyone else's coin. And then they make out with the money that they, they made. And that kind of, that sucked. That felt really shitty. And that, that was at the yeah. point where I was kind of like, this isn't always a guaranteed money-making thing. If it looks too good to be true, it probably isn't. And that's honestly good for me because now, like, when I go invest in anything, I'm way more like, I look into things way more. And so that was like, it's a painful learning experience, offensive learning experience, but I'm glad I, even though I lost some money, I'd rather lose a little bit of money now when I'm in my 20s and 30s and I can make that back and I don't have like dependence on me 
then lose a bunch of money when I'm like have a family and all that other stuff. Yeah. So word. Yeah. If you had one word of advice to somebody who's going to crypto or considering it, what would that one word be? I'm gonna tell you to be quiet if you use more than one word. Research. All right. Yeah. Why research? It doesn't take, if you make a few mistakes, you learn pretty quickly. It's real easy. Like once, like that, after that rug pull that I, I experienced, man, I went through and I was like, wow, like how did this happen to me? Like I, this, the, these YouTubers were supporting this and they even came out and they're like, we didn't know this was a rug pull. This seemed legit. And it just made me realize like, do spend the time. Like there's, there's no, there's very few, there's no coins that I was ever a part of that like, because I missed it by a day or two, I lost out on, you know, a bunch of money. It's like, no, take your time, watch things for a while, you know, research the people who made the coin. Same with investing in a business. Like you should research the business, you know, is it, you should research their competitors. You should research, like there's all the, you can always do more research on things and really get a good understanding of it. And because a lot of people don't, a lot of people just are like, oh, this person told me I should do it, so I'm going to do it. And then it's like, no, you got to do your own research. Talk to people. Talk to people who have done it for a long time. Um, yeah, that'd be my advice. Just research. Yeah, definitely. To, to the point you said, I mean, people, people are so gullible these days. Like I saw a video today yeah. on TikTok where this this person with she had a blue check mark and she's like, Are your brakes squeaking? Then put some of this wheel grease on it, on your brake rotors, and, and it'll be great. And I'm like, the first comment I saw was, Please take this down. People are going to do this. I'm like Not everybody has the wherewithal to be like what happened to go on Google? What happens if I put wheel grease or whatever it was on my brake rotors? Like, yeah, your brakes aren't going to work. Uh, yeah. So that, that, yeah, I think before, I mean, it's important before you make any sort of life decision, you gotta, you gotta do some research. I mean, I, I was on that, you know, when I went to Finland for the first time, I didn't really research much and I wasn't really too happy. Now things are, a lot different. Yeah. Uh, but you know, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And like another, like, you know, medicine, the amount of people that when they pick up their drugs at the pharmacy and they're just like, Oh yeah. Like, I'm like, Hey, do you know what this is like? You know, this is for, it's like, I just, I take what they tell me to take. I'm like, that's kind of dangerous. <laughs> you are putting this thing in your body and you're not like researching it at all. Like, I know some of the side effects are kind of scary sometimes. Like, you start reading them, like, look at ibuprofen even. It's like, can cause heart failure, strokes. It's like, well, yes. Very, 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 very rare. Five pills a day. More than that, even. And it's like, that that barely ever happens. Or don't use with heart failure. Like, you know, like, these these rare things can happen. But, like, for the most part, they don't. And it's just like, you should do just research. Research like I and and honestly, I'm I don't know if that would have prevented me from some of my investments. Um, but like the one that was the rug pull, if I would I was getting I, again, I was like, ah oh, man, 
my crypto's not making as much money as it once had. I need to like make a little bit more. And this is this coin's really risky. It's brand new, so I can make a lot of money off it. And if I would just wait a week to invest in that, I would have lost, you know, I think it was a, it was a few hundred dollars. So, mm. you know, that's how it goes. So the way she goes, the way she goes. All right. Well, should we uh, transition over here? Yeah, let's jump over to my article. So, so you, have a, you have a very, uh, a very, uh, how would I say it? A uh, pointed article title here. Yeah. So my article here is exclusive. It's from the, the Daily Mail. Uh, it's a United Kingdom. Yeah, a little right, right wing leaning. Say it's a very, very right, very right wing leaning. Um, it's written by Rob Kryler, senior U.S. political reporter for DailyMail.com in Lapine, Oregon. Uh, the article is exclusive. Leaders of East Oregon bid to secede and join Idaho. Move Idaho thinks movement could go nationwide, with more rural counties looking to dump urban Democrat leaders in woke havens like Portland, woke impose havens. taxes on them. And shun traditional values. What are traditional values? Like, I when I think traditional value, I think like a number one at McDonald's. That's pretty. Number, is that your traditional value? That, that's a pretty traditional value to me. Let's see. Let's. I'm just like typing into Google here. Like, what is traditional values definition? So one man, one woman. Yeah, that uh, <laughs> customs, beliefs, or methods that are ones that have existed for a long time without changing. Mm. Um, so I think for like conservatives, conservatism, which is I think what a lot of the greater Idaho movement is, is I think it's kind of more of a, just like a traditional, yes, yeah, what conservative is, right? It's the traditional. It is a desire for things to not change. Yeah, and kind of stay the same. Um, and kind of a reflection on like, oh, the traditions that we are used to is what got us here. And so we should stick with those instead of, you know, more progressive, which is like, hey, let's try new things and kind of see how they go. Right? Yeah. Would you agree on those definitions? I, I, I mean, I used to teach about this all the time. Yeah. So. The greater Oregon, the greater Idaho movement, you taught about it? I'm just uh, kidding. No, I, I have not. I, I didn't often, you know, give that much time. So what do you, what do you know about this? Like before we get digging into it, like just I mean, I, I do surface know, level, you know, there's, it, it's mostly in, in Eastern and, and Southern Oregon where, you know, it's, you know, it's not your Willamette Valley counties. Um, you know, it's pretty much like Southern and all of Eastern Oregon are like, Oh, we don't really like uh, the direction that the state's taking. Uh, so we'd like to, we we want to to just uh, we want to make Idaho bigger and join join over there and honestly outside of outside of just political disagreement I don't really like see the point in it okay. like I think I think I see it as like an oversimplification of how things work with state territories and. You know, I, I think it's there. The, the from what I know, which I could do more more research on it. You know, I I I don't often pay too much attention to it, but it it just seems like oh, all we have to do is vote to say we want to move, and then 
hopefully it'll happen, but that's not really how that works. Like it requires legislation. It requires a lot of, you know, debate, um, and kind of brokering of deals. Um, you know, and I kind of see it as, you know, I don't, you know, I, I get it. Like people don't necessarily like what's going on politically speaking, but it's, it's not like they don't have representation. Um, you know, the, the voting in those areas kind of tends to go the way that a majority of the people want it to. Obviously it's not necessarily bringing around as much value to them because there's the whole deal with, well, cities and rural areas are no matter where you go, extremely different. Yeah. You know, what, what somebody in Ontario, Oregon believes is not the same as somebody generally speaking in Portland or Eugene or one of those areas. So I get it, but I'm also looking at it as, is that really the most important thing for that lawmakers should be focusing on? Like, I, I, I kind of think there's, there's bigger, there, there's probably more important issues to focus on than where a state's boundaries lie, essentially. But once we go into a little bit more into your, into this article here, um, you know, I, I do have some more thoughts, but I'm interested to, to kind of see what we got here. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's a pretty good, I think. I think you summarized it pretty well. So it's basically there's 15 counties in Eastern Oregon that this is being proposed in. Um, the main move. So are you familiar with the state of Jefferson movement at all? Yeah. So state of Jefferson movement is kind of like a similar type thing. I think the greater it's a Idaho, historically rooted thing, like the idea of the yeah. state of Jefferson has been around since like world war two and then it, or even before world war two and it got put on hold uh, because of the war that I remember reading something about that. A yeah. So it's actually, ago. it looks like in 1803 actually is when it, Oh, 19, 1941. That's when it was started. It was like late 1941. They're like, Oh yeah, we want to get this going. And then Pearl Harbor happens and they're like, Oh yeah, well that that's not really something we need to be focusing on now. And then it kind of just fizzled away. That Yeah. You're exactly, that's exactly what happened. Um, yeah, it has a pretty big cult fall. So I'm from Klamath. Well, well, I'm not from, but I spent the last four years in Klamath falls and there's state of Jefferson flags everywhere down there. Oh yeah. Um, I, I honestly, I understand after being down there and living up here, I understand a lot of the grievances of kind of what these, uh, the state of Jefferson, I understand, and it kind of does translate over into the greater Idaho movement. Um, but basically the article kind of talked about the guy who is lean up the campaign. His name's Mike McCarter. And basically he is like, he's paying lobbyists to kind of get this organized. It's, um, it looks like it's going to, it's yeah, they're they're trying to get they're trying to figure out how to make this legislation happen. But honestly, the more I did a lot of research on this, and it is 
it would take a lot for this to happen. A lot. Yeah. Um, like basically the Oregon Senate, the Oregon Congress, the Idaho Congress, they would have to agree. And then I think Washington to- would have to also, because I know that this is kind of a deal a deal in, in eastern Washington too. It looks like even northern California. So yeah. I think Oregon I think Oregon has the I don't think this has a good chance of happening at all. Um, but I think Oregon is the most likely of the I think it has the biggest push. But so yeah, basically the state congresses all all have to agree. And then the the national congress, they have to agree to it too. And a big I think guess I think Oregon would lose one uh House of Representative member if this happened. Yeah, I think that sounds and so that like to me, I'm kinda like that right there, that's gonna stop like this is too it's not a there there's no way you could get bipartisan agreement for this, I feel like. Well the, you think about you think about all this like the bureaucratic things that would have to happen, like Yeah. You know, the 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 first thing that pops up for me is like okay, that's a big state and obviously like Texas can handle its shit, but they've been doing that for a while. I think about like the roads. Like Yeah. The state the state manages upkeep or is supposed to uh you know roads are kind of a gripe for me around here we do not do a very good job of that um but um not we but you know folks who are pushing the money around but you know think about all the road signs that would have to be changed and well and like all the different routes like if there's a route 126 in idaho well what's the one that was in Oregon, what's that, what's that going to be now? Um, and it's like all of this like time consuming shit where I'm like, is that really like a priority? Like, or a lot of like laws would change. Like I, what, like, like think about this. I don't know what the laws are in, in Idaho for this, but imagine there's somebody who wanted to, move the border west for Idaho. They're very conservative, but they like smoking their weed. To the best of my knowledge, marijuana is not legal in Idaho. This guy gets mad now because he can't go get well actually or farm it. So when I was doing my research, there's tons of uh dispensaries right along the Idaho border. Oh yeah. I've seen them when when I've driven out to, to Denver. Yeah. couple times it's like baker city and like ontario it's just like that's like all that's on the billboards is get your weed welcome to oregon get your weed get this you know whatever else you'd want you know strip clubs where people get naked all the way and blah 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 and then it's like idaho it's like nothing and so i've, I've seen that so i mean i know that's like a very trivial thing but that's just like one thing I think about. I was like, man. So they did an estimate of the cost of all that. And it's like billions of dollars. Basically, because like Idaho would have to, apparently, that's on the other side of this too. Idaho has to buy all this land from Oregon. And all this infrastructure and all this other stuff. And it's like, I think they the value I saw was like $12 billion. Which... Idaho does not have 
as much as much as I'll be honest, I kind of like this idea after living down there. I think that um like I, I you bring up some great points of like the oh, it's gonna take a while to like, you know, go change all the signs and it's gonna, you know, like there's all these issues that are gonna like, oh, what are we gonna rename these roads? Um and obviously again the purchase of all the stuff, but I think that it's really weird. Like when I go to Portland, when I used to drive from Portland to Klamath, I always felt that like, you know, people in Portland and Seattle, they have way more in common than people in, it was like going to a different country, honestly. Yeah. And I just felt that like, I understood it. It was like people in Portland, they just don't understand the difficulties that people in these areas face. And it has to be really frustrating that like some arbitrary line was drawn. It's like, this is the territory of Oregon. Like this is, this is what it is. And it's like, as time things have changed and evolved. And it's like, just because this is a new system still, like this is only Oregon's only been around for what? 150 years, 160 years. 1853, right? I think 1859. So, 1859. So, so that's uh, plus 150 is going to be. So 164 good. years old. Yeah. So, I mean. Well, the, you, you bring up the question about like, well, it's an arbitrary line. It's the line that the British had with the Spanish and yeah. the Mexicans. Yep. That's like the southern border of Oregon. Yeah. And, and Idaho. Pretty yep. much what the former Northwest Territories line was. So it's still based all off of uh, how some European dudes yeah, yeah. drew the lines. Yep. And so it's like, why, why shouldn't, and, and the other thing too, so these are, these are kind of the, so the grievances of Eastern Oregon that was kind of represented in the article was it's a majority conservative area. Um, whereas the Willamette Valley is like majority blue. Um, or liberal and a lot of the i think i think so the thing that i think doesn't get talked about here this is the article didn't bring this up and i thought this was kind of like disappointed me because i was like this is the obvious thing there's a lot of natural resources that are locked up by the state of oregon in these areas and one of the reasons that these places have they struggle economically is they're not able to use those resources to like fund their cities and everything. And I think that's really unfortunate because the problem is, is that, you know, up here in Portland, you know, when we go hiking in the woods and we see a clear cut or something like that, yeah, that obviously looks, looks ugly, but that was like old forestry. And I think people think that like, Oh, if we're chopping down trees, it's going to be clear cuts all over Oregon. And I think, you know, land management and forestry has really progressed to a point where we don't have to do that anymore. And I think it'd be fantastic for these areas of Oregon. It could generate, you know, it could really improve a lot of things if they would let these people use the natural resources, like, like the lumber is, is the most obvious one to me um, in these areas. But because the state has really strict regulations on that, these pla- it crippled these places when they put those into effect. What a, I'm trying to look at what some of these, 
some of these regulations would be because like i'm looking at like how like you can apply for a mine um you know to apply for a site to be turned into a mine um so I'm, I'm kind of interested in what these natural resources are outside of timber and whatnot to I think timber timbers like the that was the most obvious one to me um i read some that there's like lithium mines out there which i was like i don't i don't know how true that is or not um i didn't research into that i should have researched into that further but um yeah i just i feel like again like there's a lot of people that i know that i met in klamath and it was like oh what'd your you know what'd your father do oh he was a he was a logger until they shut down logging oh what you know and it was like damn you know and it's like these places have they've just been they're they're being like that's the thing that's like it's frustrating to me to see is it's like these people had like that was a good job and then some people came in from you know a place that's hundreds of miles away doesn't really you know necessarily impact them and they're like hey you can't log this anymore it's like wh why not you know and it's like well because that's what we we voted and again that's like that's that's the hard part about democracy right is like you can always there's always gonna be someone that disagrees and agrees with what should be done that's like kind of the I mean, that happens compromise we've agreed system, though. any system. Yep. You would have, you'd have a fascist dictatorship and yep. that's still going to be the same way, except one person decided. So it doesn't, it doesn't really matter who does it, you know? And I don't know, to that point, you know, it, it, it I do have like a, how would I say it? I've got, I've got like a, it's a, a double-edged sword here. So like, yeah, on one hand, you know, and and this kind of like ties into a lot of the things or the the big idea that I do have about this whole thing. But you know, yes, that was a good job, and this is me kind of like being a devil's advocate here. I'm not, yeah, I mean, for sure. I no, no, I, I do believe this in this, about, but it's to yeah. an extent. It's like okay, well, yeah, logging was what you did, but there there's ways to to move forward from that like there still is logging like it might not be in your town but logging is still a massive industry and you know there's i'm i'm treading carefully here because not everybody has all the resources to be able to get up and get out well it's kind of like it's it's like okay well there's not logging where you live get yourself a job that's not that for a while or hey you know what like if there's a community college near you you know those are kind of affordable right now go get some skills and you can find a way to get back involved with that or or find something that you might even find more fulfilling than that and and that's no disrespect to the hard working people of the past like it's sad driving through some of these towns when you go through the mountains and stuff and it's like wow like these people yeah. don't have anything, but on the other hand, there, there is that, like, it, it's so easy to say, okay, well, go find something else to do. Like, it's really easy to say that. And I want to say it, but it's also like, I get it. Like there's, there's not a whole lot of upward mobility 
in those towns. But I, I, I also don't really think, I, I don't know if moving the border would help fix any of those things because then guess what? Like the same thing is going to be happening in that place, except all the rules are going to be coming from another part of the state, which might even be farther than Salem. So it doesn't really matter. I think it's still going to be similar, but just with different leadership. I think the difference there, though, is I think, and this is what they were kind of saying, is that I think, I think Boise, ident- I think those people identify more with what Boise does than what Salem does. Sure. And I think, I think the thing, too, is it's almost like, there's like a geography and a, de- de- like, I don't know, like the demographics and the geography are much more similar to Idaho than they are to Salem. Oh, I get that. I'm just and, saying like. Yeah. And like another either. another example, like the the my example, my gripe. This is my gripe with it. So, as you know, uh, the conditions, the weather conditions in Eastern Oregon, it's a lot more drastic than it is here in the Portland metro area. So you can have days like it, it can snow even, and they've had snow on the Fourth of July, um, sometimes, in in Klamath Falls. So, like, one issue that I had is that in Oregon, you're only allowed to have studs on your tires between, I think it's November 1st and um, April 1st. And what's frustrating to me is, like, that's April and Klamath. That was, like, still the snow season. Like, it it didn't snow a lot, but one of the worst snowstorms I ever got in was, like, it was, like, middle of April. I was driving back over from Medford to Klamath, and it was, like... It was like the one of the worst snowstorms I ever gotten, and it's like, okay, that was a rule set by someone clearly like who lived, you know. And again, I'm sure they're looking at trends, but like, it just felt to me like that was someone that came up with that rule, you know, more in the northwest area where like it would never snow, like never snow in April in no. Portland, and and Eastern Oregon that can happen. It can snow in April, it can snow in May, it can snow in June, July, not know, often, uh... but. And and that's something that I think is kind of, you know, that that is a good example. I think that needs to kind of be, and I, I got to... County I, by I county? Get, yeah, because, you know... Like, yeah, you, you I agree, I agree with that. We're talking about, like, oh, in Finland they do yep. this, but, like, in a lot of European countries, and I, I just know Finland for sure, um, that it's, like, it's based on latitude. Like, Interesting. Like that's super when you can have when you can and can't have studded tires. So like where we were, I think it's pretty similar to uh, how it is here in Oregon. But then the, like you start having like these different latitude zones. There's like three zones, and like the southern part of Finland is, you know, probably like I think it's probably closer to like October first through April, whatever. And then but then like the further north you go, there's like, you can have them for longer. Um, so I think that that's, I think it definitely needs to be something where, where like the counties have a little more say, you know, obviously like Multnomah County can't just come out and say, Hey, you can have studded tires all year long. Like, no, you don't need studded tires when it's a hundred degrees in. Well, they damage, they damage the roads. They do. 
Yeah, they do. Um, and I think a lot of thought needs to go into what that would look like and how funds get allocated and things like that. But, um, you know, that that's definitely something that I think they could be doing anyway. Because, I mean, I don't even, I don't know what, I don't, uh, I don't know what Idaho's studded tire laws are. I'm, I'm going to look at them. Looking at. See, Idaho's really aren't much different. It's so there. Theirs is is just by a. It's about a month on each side. So studded tires are legal in Idaho from October first to April thirtieth. Montana's is from October first to May thirty first. See, that Montana, makes sense. Montana gets a struggle. Just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, they do. But oh, um, Wyoming legal all year. Interesting. Wyoming again. That makes crazy sense. Weather. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes complete. I I think that's a good they're compromise. Also they're all they're also fixing their roads all the time. Yeah. Yep. So, I don't know. I guess this is this is so. This is where I get rash with this. Yeah. Rash or brash or whatever. Like the old saying goes, and I'm gonna go out on a, on a limb here. The old saying goes, if you don't like it, you can leave. Because I would say that's actually a pretty conservative argument. Uh, that's where I hear a lot of that coming from is, well, if you don't like it, you can leave. Like, oh, if you have problems with America and you live in America, well, then why don't you just leave? And so I'm, I, I, as I'm looking at all these things, you know, I I know I I get it. Like, yeah, your family's been living here forever, like or not forever, but your family's been here for a while. Like, this is your home. This is what you know, and I respect that. But you you can leave if you don't like it, and that's that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I'm not going to go knocking on doors telling people that, but you know. That's the argument that gets used when people, you know, bash on policies that America has and whatever. And, you know, with all the protests that we've seen, it's like, well, just leave then if you don't like it. But it's like, if you're going to tell that to somebody, you have to be, you have to expect somebody to tell that to you too. Because. It's just so it's. I think, I think I need to see more concrete reasons why like i don't think I, I don't think i mean i'm sure some state borders have shifted before but it, it very rarely happened like, yeah west west virginia and virginia are one that, example that's, and and that was like i'd have to look at more about why that was the case i know that it was the civil war um and west virginia was i think I have to, I don't want to say anything wrong here, but I I know it had something to do with slavery or or the course of the war or something like that. I'm I'm looking it up now because uh, I don't want to I don't want to say anything wrong, and then people come in here like, dude, what you you saying wrong stuff? Um, so it was saying that uh where where are we saying here? Uh, da, 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 I want to see here what are, what are they saying here? Um. 
look in here. Oh, so basically they didn't want us to seed is what it was. They they yeah, so I mean, this is interesting. Um there's like pro union slave owners who wanted to get rid of, you know, move away from from Virginia and it was like secession and all that stuff. They didn't want to secede from the union. So, um it would definitely not be that that slavery was at it. But I mean, it said that a lot of people were like that some of it was something to do with slavery, but it was, it was really just paperwork. They didn't, they didn't want to secede from the union. I mean, so, it's all about, it's all about money at the end of the day. And I think is. that's, and I think that's like, so what's interesting too, is that Oregon apparently supplements basically what, well, it's like for every resident in Eastern Oregon, the state of Oregon pays like $500 for them. And that's like less money than Idaho would be able to give those residents allegedly. But what, I what, think what, like what they just get a check for 500 bucks. No. So like that's the average of the state spends per taxpayer in Eastern okay, Oregon. I was gonna say. So it's, it's more, it's like $500 more than what Idaho, I guess would be able to do is that's why I like read somewhere. Um, which I thought was kind of interesting because I, it's I I don't I don't know and I I honestly believe too though I think that there would be, I think if this happened, I think it kind of there'd be a boom to a lot of this like the greater Idaho area because I think that they would, you know things would open up there'd be a lot more usage of the resources in the area like timber's I think the biggest it's like the biggest one that I can think of. Um, but again, it's like, anytime you do one of these things, it's like, it sounds, sounds good on paper, right? Like when I like first started thinking about this, when I was living down there, I was like, oh man, like if this turns into greater Idaho, like I'll just stay here. That'd be awesome. Like my taxes will get reduced, but then you make a great point. Like there's a lot of stuff you have to go through and fix. And it's not going to be fixed just like with a snap of your fingers. It's like, you got to change the signs. You got to like. Like local policies, yeah, that you have to change. I'm kind of, I'm kind of struggling to see, like, the benefits past, like, political thought. Like, this is, I think, I think you'd agree. This is very largely politically, it's economic motivated. The thing is, I'm not really seeing. I, I don't think a whole lot's going to change. No, I, 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 don't, I, I don't I don't think a lot's gonna change. What like I, I would like to know what is so different policy wise because a lot of those a lot of those logging mandates, those those were federal. The federal, yeah. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. And so you can move to you can move your border to Idaho, federal policy trumps state policy. Yep. So it doesn't matter. So instead you know, I think I think what what needs to be different about this is, you know, the fingers should be pointing towards Washington, D.C. That I I kind of would, you know, I I feel like this is that's where I see it as being more politically motivated. Um, I don't I don't see. I think what where where this needs to be more is is like a representation issue 
and I think it seems like there needs there would need to be more of a of like activism from people like this living out there to to somehow get Washington to reconsider some of the 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 mandates that are out. I I I think it's I'll be honest, I honestly think this is kind of a lazy attempt to change policy. Well, and it's like and so that's that's as I did my research, there's a lot of belief that this is a kind of a grift for money. And the reason being is that there's no there's no way this would ever get passed. There's no way. There's no there's no way where the current legal system is set up of this is going to go through both state congresses. Like Oregon would never approve they would never approve this. No. They've never in both like both so both the House rep, the state house of representatives and the uh state senate like the senate may maybe it could get through but it's never going to get through the house of representatives and the state and then, it, and then it's got to go to the federal level it's got to go to the federal level and then like that's assuming that all the bureau like the you know alphabet soup agencies are going to be okay with it too like you got to go through the bureaucracy as well, well. You, you still like, gotta, but even before that though is cuz cuz the bureaucracies don't really get a say they get they get a say once they're given the funds to do their yes work. Yeah, they got to go. Then they got to go through three more steps. Then they got to go through the House of Representatives in Washington. Then they got to go through the Senate. Then they got it's got to go to the president's desk. Yep. At any point, if one of those levels says no, nope, it's done. And that's that's just kind of why I see it as kind of like it's something nice to think about for some. Yeah, it's a fun. It's fun. It's a fun thought. It's a but f- yeah, but unfortunately, it's I I think that they could be. I think I think they could be kind of maybe being a little more proactive and seeking to make, to get to get legislation to open up a few more things, namely on federally protected resources. I think so. I will say this. I I the only other thing I could see is if like, there's some sort of a negotiation where. Puerto Rico and DC become states, then this gets like this gets added in as like a count because I like isn't that what they used to do, right before the Civil War? Well, yeah, it was like, the it was bef- below below the below Mason Dixon line, Mason Dixon yep. line, which pretty yep. much is the border with Oregon and California, to the best of my understanding. It actually went through California. Sorry, it was like through Central California. It's whatever the uh, the southern border of Missouri is. Because the only reason Missouri was allowed to be a slave state is because there's that little chunk that dips below it. Um, so it was like, okay, if you add a state, you have to add two. And one of them can be a slave state, the other one won't. And so that's why you had like Kansas, Nebraska, things like that. Um, and and so I think I think... The only way this does happen is, you know, if Puerto Rico and D.C. becomes a state. But then you're still out of balance anyway. That's still three states. Well, I guess it's Idaho. So, well, you could like I think that was like there. I think there's other. I'm pretty sure in other states there's secession movements. I think Greater Idaho's the it's the biggest one. Um, but I'm 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 sure there's other states that are trying to. There's people, you know. I don't know what they're called, but 
I'm sure there's other movements. I'm sure there are. Yeah. But no, it. Uh, so what the conspiracy kind of is, is that basically there's ways you can like funnel money through different like charities to your own business back to charities and that this is kind of being used like because everyone knows this is never going to happen like this is i do not think you know people can complain about inefficiencies in the federal government and like not getting things done there's no way this ever happens no i will i will agree with you on that so as interesting as a like as interesting as this i think would be i just i don't think I just don't think anyone in the federal government or the state government really wants to do these things. So, and I don't think yeah. Idaho wants to take on the burden of carrying a, like 1.2 million people. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is the interesting thing is I never really hear Idaho's perspective on this. Like yeah. what if Idaho's over there just chilling, being like, yeah, we kind of like how things are right now. Like we've got just enough land to have this many people, we are, you know, we're, we're doing just fine without you. Like, I, I never, I mean, I, I've maybe heard a few things about what Idaho had to say, but I couldn't tell you what they are. But who says that they even want this to happen? Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I, it, maybe, maybe we have to come back to this topic and do like a full-on discussion of it at some point yeah definitely like i I think it definitely deserves a little more time than half of the podcast segment yeah we kind of hit on some topics too that like i hadn't really again like what is the financial incentive i that's what i think the big so i have to believe that there is a pretty big financial incentive to make this at some level but i also don't know what that actually is so that would be i think that that's something i would look into is like what is actually like what are the natural resources out there? And how is that? It sounds really complicated, to be mm-hmm. honest. It, it is. But we can definitely look at it. So I'd like to pick it apart a little more because it is relevant. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to be real with you. I, I feel like I got to poop soon. Okay. Fair enough, man. Sorry, viewers. But, Wrap this uh, up. I, I also I want to be comfortable doing this, too. So um, all this hot political talk is just getting my systems going. Well, um, usually I wrap this up with a phrase. You do. do you have you do. something or do you want me to take another stab at it here? If you got something, go for it. I was going to say something. And I was like, eh, I don't know if that really fits. So go for oh, it. Shoot it out there. You've never done one before. I, I, I think, like you know, I'm, I'm going to play off of the, the balance here in, okay. uh, in my article. You know, the, the rehab centers. I, I think yeah. everything's... I think there just needs to be a little more balance. I like that. Like I like that. Like that's good. Yeah. Balance, balance your balance your crypto. Balance you know the pros yeah. and cons of shifting your borders. Like yeah. You know, yeah. it's every everything is good in in moderation. Whether that's your desire to throw money at crypto or like try to do something as big as shifting a state's borders like 300 miles um i think i think they're 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 trying to people in crypto and people moving moving the 
moving the border, they're trying to go for the home run shot right away. And, and, you know, I think I've always been like small steps are, are important. And, and I think that, that things need a little more consideration before you, you get in too deep and you, you need to really have a conversation with the information that's available and, and make sure that, that you're, you're really making the right decision because there's pros and cons to everything. Yeah. I, I guarantee you those people in Eastern Oregon, they end up moving to Idaho or moving the border of Idaho. Who says they're going to be totally happy with everything? For sure. You know, people throw yeah. $75,000 at a, at a bougie yoga estate who says that it's actually going to work. Yeah. So, you know, everything with balance. I like that. A little more balance. I think that's going to be the title. Word. All right, man. It was nice talking to you. See you yes, tomorrow sir. morning, maybe. We'll see everybody, uh, everybody in the, uh, the next episode. And uh, yeah, thanks for uh, sticking with us, guys. Oh, Peace. Yeah. Peace.